we're still looking at spiritual gifts, and uh, we're going to be talking about the gifts of discernment and the gift of healing today. Uh, but I like to start with review, so we're going to talk about what we learned last time. And does anybody remember the two that we talked about last time, the two gifts we talked about last time? Yes, wisdom and knowledge. I had to think for a second because I wrote it down, knowledge and wisdom. I had to, It took me a second to flip it around in my head. So, <laughs> uh, I almost said no, but no, you're right. Uh, knowledge and wisdom or wisdom and knowledge. Uh, so let's go over a little bit of what we talked about for knowledge. What is the spiritual gift of knowledge? What is the spiritual gift of knowledge? I gave a definition. Uh, you could give that definition. You can just... Uh, come up with what it, you've gathered about that gift as well. Any ideas? Denise. <clears throat> yes. Yep. Uh, that's very good. And uh, so I'll read you uh, basically my definition. Uh, the spiritual gift of knowledge is simply the things you know. And it absolutely applies to choosing right and wrong and all of that definitely is in there. Uh, so basically we're talking about your education, the things that you have learned along the way, the information you've stored in your mind. So anything that you know. Now, we talked about some things that we should know. Does anybody remember those or some other things that we should know as children of God or uh, as even just people on earth, some things that we should know? Jamie, the Word of God. Yes, we talked about the Word of God, uh, and that obviously includes a whole lot of information. There's a lot in the Word of God, uh, so that alone will give you all kinds of knowledge, uh, more than just simply just saying the Word of God. It, it means a lot more than that. Uh, we did read in Acts chapter 17, where Paul visits the people in Berea, and he finds that those people there desired to know the Word of God so much uh, that they were in it all the time. And the, the passage says that they daily, or daily they searched the Scriptures is what it says. Uh, they didn't want to miss anything, uh, so they kept opening God's Word and they kept reading. And they weren't just reading, though. It's not like sometimes when we wake up in the morning or whenever we do our Bible reading, we open it up and we just want to check off that we read the Bible today. Uh, so we read our one chapter or whatever it is, and then we close up the Bible, and then we go brush our teeth or whatever we do, and we don't really put any thought into anything we read. That's not what they were doing there in Berea. They didn't just read the Word of God to, to tell everybody, yep, we read it, we did it. No, they were searching the Word of God. They were actually... Uh, desiring to get something out of it. They wanted to learn what was in the Word of God. And we, uh, if we want to gain knowledge, the best place to go is the Word of God. And we could spend thousands of hours in the Word of God. And we could active, actively gain knowledge all of those thousands of hours, the entire time we could continue gaining knowledge, which is amazing. Uh, but not only that, but we could keep going. Even after those thousands of hours that we've spent in God's Word and we've gained all that knowledge during all of that time, there would still be more information and more knowledge in here that we could continue 
to gain. There's no other book in the world that is like that. Uh, We need to continue to be active in gaining knowledge from God's Word. We need to come to every service we can because we open the Word of God here. We talk about what God says in His Word here in every single service. So if you want to know more about God's Word, come to more services. Uh, If you want to know more about God's Word, you need to open it every single day and search the Word of God every single day. And also we talked last week about how it's, it's something that every believer should be doing. Not just pastors, not just Sunday school teachers. Every child of God should be in the Word of God and should be learning every single day. And so uh, that's what we talked about last week with the Word of God and how uh, we should uh, have the knowledge that's in the Word of God. We also talked about uh, salvation, and we looked at 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 6, and we've seen there that God desires for all men to come to the knowledge of the truth of salvation. And Paul very clearly tells us that God desires for everyone to be saved from hell and that God gave his son Jesus to pay for us so that we can be saved. Uh, so we covered salvation. We covered God's word, which, again, includes so many things, so, so much to learn in God's word. So then uh, how do we practically use the spiritual gift of knowledge. Does anybody remember some of the things we talked about on practically using the spiritual gift of knowledge or other ideas that you have in that area? How would you practically use the gift of knowledge? That's all right. I'll help. Yeah. Yeah, you use the knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we went over the first step to using the spiritual gift of knowledge is to first gain the knowledge, which is basically what we were talking about all along here. You have to actually know something to be able to use it. And then once you have gained this knowledge, uh, once you have it, you can then benefit from using it in your daily life. Uh, you can use the knowledge that you've gained to make good decisions and better decisions. And and you can also share your knowledge with others. Uh, So that's what we covered last week with the gift of knowledge. Now let's move on to the gift of wisdom. I don't know, this paint might be a little too grippy. There we go. Uh, So what is the spiritual gift of knowledge? Anybody remember what we've talked about last week? The spiritual gift of, uh, sorry, wisdom. The spiritual gift of wisdom. Jamie? Yes, absolutely. Uh, We went over a definition for wisdom. It's the right use and exercise of knowledge. Uh, So we talked about what is the difference between uh, knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is something that you have. You can possess it. Uh, Wisdom is using what you have, using that possession, using that knowledge. Uh, you have to have knowledge to be able to use wisdom. Uh, and so what are some examples of wisdom in the Bible or examples of wise people in the Bible? Yes, Stephanie. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, and, and that was, you know, Solomon, he asked for wisdom and, and God blessed him with the most wisdom that he could have. He was the wisest man to live, uh, and he used that wisdom 
uh, most of the time, to make very good decisions, and including uh, the story of, uh, or the event of the two women fighting over the baby. And uh, that took great wisdom for him to uh, figure out that situation and what to do there. Uh, other examples of wisdom in the Bible or wise people in the Bible or situations where wisdom was used? Stephanie again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that took uh, a whole lot of things, wisdom included, uh, to, to be in that situation and make a good decision in that moment. Uh, anybody have any other ideas? Jamie? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That took great wisdom as well uh, to, to plan ahead. And, of course, that was God's plan, and God gave that knowledge to Joseph, but he used the wisdom that it took to carry out that plan over those 14 years. Uh, you know, it wasn't just kind of a one decision and done kind of thing. He had to daily uh, continue making wise decisions so that they didn't run out of food, you know, in the fifth year or the sixth year, and then they all die uh, in the end. That took a great amount of wisdom. I also used Joseph when dealing with uh, Potiphar's wife. He used wisdom on how to get out of that situation. Anybody have any other ideas? Uh, Denise? Yeah, David uh, was uh, there and he knew that God was with his people. And so he was able to make good and wise decisions and able to stand up for God and defend uh, God and the, the people of Israel. Uh, Stephanie, did you have another? Okay, <laughs> that's no... No problem. I have that happen too. Uh, some of the other ones that I wrote down, um, I actually, I think we talked about Esther last week and she used wisdom uh, in saving her people from the wicked plan of Haman. Uh, I also wrote down Moses uh, when pleading with God for the sakes of Israel. Uh, we talked about Joseph. Uh, I also wrote down the disciples. Uh, when choosing to follow Jesus and to continue to stay with I mean, first they had to make the decision, am I going to follow this guy or not? Uh, and then they chose to stay with Jesus and they chose to continue serving uh, Jesus. And that is very wise. Uh, so uh, that is uh, the gift of wisdom that we went over last week. Uh, we'll move on to the gift of discernment. Uh, we'll talk about the gift of discernment, the spiritual gift of discernment this morning. Uh, so turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, start in verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord, and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to Another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, 
the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits. So we see this phrase here, discerning of spirits. So we need to get a complete understanding of this phrase to be able to understand the spiritual gift of discernment here. Uh, discerning means to make a judicial estimation. Uh, and that's a very, uh, you know, like Webster's Dictionary definition there. Uh, but it means to separate facts, uh, thoughts, and ideas thoroughly, to separate them thoroughly, and then to make a decision, to judge on those facts. Uh, to rightly judge something, you first have to get all the facts. So if someone was to go to trial, uh, they, you know, sit there, and then there's the judge there. Does the judge, is the first thing that happens, does the judge make a decision? No, absolutely not. That's not the first thing they do. We don't just go to court and the judge says, you know, guilty, boom, done and over. No, what they have to do is they have to present all the information. Uh, they have many witnesses. They have all the evidence presented. Uh, they talk about whatever it is that happened. They get all the information out, and it has to all be gathered together. That's the first step in the process. Uh, to discern, you must first gather all the facts. Uh, after you gather all the facts, you then need to separate all those facts. Uh, this will involve sorting through all of the information. Uh, you have to pay attention to the details and, and then somewhat organize all of this information and all of, this, all of these details. Uh, this is how you make sense of a matter. You must figure out all the information and the timing of the events and, and how they happened. Uh, this will all take place after you've gathered the facts. Obviously, you can't sort through the information if you don't have it first. So you first gather all the facts. Then you, while you're sorting through all of this information, all these facts, uh, things will start to make sense. Well, hopefully, they start to make sense. Uh, so now... You've gathered all the information, you've sorted through it all, and it's all hopefully making some kind of sense. You've gained an understanding of uh, what's going on while you're sorting through all the facts, all the information. Now you have to make a decision on the situation. This is the point of where you actually judge. Uh, you actually make the decision, and you become a judge of the situation. Uh, this is what it means to discern. Uh, this is the process of discerning. But let's look at the phrase again here when speaking of the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10. It says, to another discerning of spirits. Uh, so spirits in this verse uh, actually has a meaning of the human spirit. It's talking about um, the human mental disposition. And so the word spirit here in this verse uh, is actually a derivative of a root word, which means breath of air. Uh, this, again, points to a human aspect. Remember, in Genesis chapter 2, God himself breathed the breath of life into man. Uh, so we're talking about humans here. We're talking about the thoughts of man. Uh, so what is the spiritual gift of discernment then? It's to decide by judging the mental disposition of man. Uh, so simply putting it, it's to figure out uh, the reasons of man, uh, the, th the reasons for the thoughts or the words being said of man. Uh, so 
Uh, to give you an example, if I were to ask you for water, you could easily discern that I am thinking that I am thirsty. And that I also think that water will help me with my thirst. That would be discerning why I asked for water. And again, that's somewhat simple and, and, and easy to understand there. Uh, but it's not, so what we're not talking about here is it's not reading the mind of a person. You're not actually seeing the thoughts or what's going on in their mind. It's not some supernatural uh, event there. Uh, what we're talking about is the ability to figure out the motives of a person or a situation. Maybe the reasoning of the words that are being told. Again, why did I ask for water? Because I think I'm thirsty. Uh, it, it's more about the why than the what. So we're not reading people's minds. We're not doing anything uh, supernatural there. And so do we all have the ability uh, or the spiritual gift of discernment? So as you have probably noticed through this study of spiritual gifts, that all of God's children have some level of ability in most of the spiritual gifts. Uh, but God has determined to use us all differently in his plan. There are different jobs for all of us to do uh, within God's plan. Uh, and so this means that we have different levels of ability in spiritual gifts uh, because God is going to use us differently. Uh, the gift of discernment is the same. All of God's children will have some level of ability here, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be a strong point for everyone, every one of us. Uh, some will be very gifted in discernment, and if that is you, it is because God has plans to use you in a way that requires a higher ability in discerning. Now, uh, how do you know if you're gifted in this area? Well, I think most people probably already have some idea. Uh, but uh, the gift of uh, discernment here, I think I have a way to help us figure out uh, if you're gifted in this area. If you can follow along with my thought process here, which may be difficult. You may think what goes on in my head after I explain this to you. Uh, but this is how I think you can know. Now, Imagine that you're telling someone a story, and it's a very, very long story. And, and now you're done telling them the story. And you think that you have very clearly uh, told the story in a way that the person you're talking to completely understands the story. And so then you ask them, did you understand what I was talking about? And they are completely confused. They have no idea what you were talking about. They got lost on the second sentence, and everything was just a blur afterwards. Well, I think that that gives you reason to believe that you're probably not gifted in the area of discerning. And the reason I think this is, uh, this, this way works as a gauge of ability and discernment is because if this happens, if you're telling a story and you could not discern during your own story that the person is not following you, uh, then you may not be sensitive in the area of discerning. If you are highly gifted in discernment, then you would have judged along the way if they understand you. Uh, and you would also judge how they would best understand or relate to what you are saying. It's kind of like if I was talking to an adult and I was explaining maybe a Bible story to an adult, I would tell it differently than I would a child because I can understand and discern that a child would understand at a different level. Uh, so maybe... 
if, if that doesn't make complete sense to you, it doesn't my mind, so maybe not everyone's, but if that doesn't make uh, complete sense to you, there might be a simpler way to determine if you're gifted in discernment, and that would just simply be if people are able to trick you a lot. Uh, it would be harder to trick someone uh, that is good at figuring out the intentions or motives of someone else, which is part of the gift of discernment. Someone gifted in discernment would be able to judge the thoughts and the ideas of someone and be able to determine if they are sincere in what they're doing or what they're saying. So I want to actually take a biblical look. Those are my thought processes there. Uh, But let's take a biblical look at some examples of discernment in the Bible. So go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, and we'll just start right in verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not in thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So we have here uh, this man, Ananias, and his wife, Sapphira. And he comes up with a plan, a very deceitful plan, to try to trick Peter, try to trick all the other believers there. And even worse, uh, Peter says that he is trying to lie to God about it as well. Uh, Ananias uh, here, he, he came up with this plan. He obviously did not tell Peter his plan. He didn't tell Peter, hey, I'm going to sell this land and I'm going to lie to you about how much it is and how much I'm bringing you. P- Ananias never did that. He never told Peter this plan. Uh, Peter also, we don't see anywhere here where Peter was given extra information uh, about the situation. We don't see anybody coming up to Peter. Hey, Peter, I heard he sold it for this much. We don't see any of that happen here as well. Peter sees the actions and the words of Ananias. Peter gathered and sorted through all of the information of the situation, uh, the facts that Ananias had brought this offering, and maybe the fact that he sold a possession. He gathered all that information. He sorted through all of this information. Then Peter judged on the facts, was able to discern the intentions and the motives of Ananias and Sapphira. So this is the gift of discernment in action right here. Uh, Peter was able to discern the actions and the motives of Ananias and Sapphira here. This is, uh, Peter here is greatly blessed in the area of discernment in this passage. Now turn over to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, we'll start in verse 11. It says, Of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when 
the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now this passage is talking about Christians that are not where they should be spiritually. Uh, They are not as mature as they should be. They have not grown up spiritually as much as they should have. Uh, Think of it as a teenager. And some of you have had teenagers in your home at some point. And think of it as a teenager, and they don't want to move out. They want to live there forever. They, they, just, they just don't want to grow up. They don't want to move out. They don't want to have to be responsible. They don't want to make their own decisions. They want mommy and daddy to do their laundry and their cooking and pay their bills and everything for them. That's what we're talking about here. We have this teenager of a Christian uh, that doesn't want to grow up. That's what we're talking about here. Uh, and so... Uh, part of this passage is talking about not being mature enough or spiritually not uh, grown up enough to be able to discern things that they should already be able to discern. Uh, we're not talking about a higher level of blessing from God in, in this spiritual gift like we did with Peter. This is more of a common level. Uh, we see here evidence that believers should all have some level of ability in the spiritual gift of discernment as long as they have grown some spiritually. Uh, Look at verse 14 again. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use, so we're talking about a mature Christian that's grown up here, uh, it says, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So we're not talking about someone who was blessed with with a high amount of the spiritual gift of of discernment, we're talking about a believer that has grown spiritually, and they should have some ability of discernment. Uh, Verse 14, it tells us that believers have grown grown enough uh, spiritually to eat the strong meat. They are not babies anymore. These believers will have the ability to discern between good and evil. So believers all should, as they grow, have the ability of discernment, at least in this area of of deciding between good and evil. So now let's move on to the spiritual gift of healing. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians 12, and we'll read just verse 9 this time. It says, To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. Uh, and I thought it was uh, interesting. Yesterday, during um, the men's prayer breakfast, the, the topic of healing came up, not like during the devotion. It was just a topic that we talked about. Um, uh, it, it, this Gift of healing has been something that has been abused over the years. Uh, people have used this idea of the gift of healing to make shows out of it. Uh, they, they've used it to try to become popular, to try to make money off of it. Well, this was never the intention of this gift. Uh, God did not intend for men 
to gain anything but the knowledge of Jesus Christ and salvation through the gift of healing. Uh, God wanted to bless people. God's love and kindness and mercy was the base for his willingness to heal. And ultimately, the goal is to bring the lost into the family of God. Uh, So what is the spiritual gift of healing? Uh, The spiritual gift of healing is very literal. Uh, It means just what it says, to heal. Uh, A definition, uh, the word uh, uh, would literally mean to cure, to make whole, or to bring into the process of healing. So it's very literal. Uh, Does the gift of healing have to be a miraculous healing? Uh, No, it does not. You you could use the literal meaning of the word uh, that is used here for this spiritual gift to come to this conclusion. Uh, It doesn't have to be a miracle for someone to be healed, uh, for someone to be cured, someone to be made whole or brought into the process of healing. Uh, But if that's not enough, uh, we can see in the Bible that the gift of healing does not have to be a miraculous healing. So let's look at some evidence of healing in the Bible. Go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, and we'll look at verse 7. Mark chapter 6, verse 7, it says, And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits. So this is Jesus here. He's sending out his twelve disciples. Uh, And so now skip down to verse 13. It says, And they cast out many devils, and anointed with oil many that were sick, and healed them. Uh, So Jesus here is sending out the twelve disciples, He's blessed them with special gifts, uh, and and that included uh, over unclean spirits, uh, and and he sends them out. And the idea is, the the whole purpose of this is to spread the news of Jesus. Uh, That is what they were going out to do, to preach about Jesus. But in doing so, they also were going out and, and casting out unclean spirits, and they were healing people. And when they go out and serve in obedience to Jesus, we see in verse 13 that they heal the sick with oil, uh, not laying on of hands. They didn't shout healed, you know, like you see on TV. They didn't hit him in the forehead. They didn't wave, you know, stuff at him. There's all kinds of weird videos. You can find this stuff online uh, that people do uh, for the gift of healing. Uh, they were healed, uh, or the the disciples here, healed the sick with medicine, medicine that they would have had at that time. Uh, It would have been some type of oil that was infused with some type of healing herbs. Uh, So they were healed with medicine. Then in uh, the story of the Good Samaritan, we have uh, the only man, the Good Samaritan here, that, that cared for the hurt man. He used medicine that he had available uh, to heal that man. Luke 1034 says, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to the inn and took care of him. So we have a healing take place here again, and it is medicine that heals the man, medicine and rest and time. Uh, but again, no magical show happened. No, no big event happens. Uh, it wasn't required in that story that was told by Jesus. 
Uh, medicine is used in the Bible for healing. Uh, it was used back in that time. If you go through history and see uh, medicine was used. Uh, it was not the only way that God worked to heal people, though. I'm not trying to lead you down a path saying that there were no uh, miraculous healings. There absolutely was. Uh, Jesus healed many people, um, and, and he healed them in many different ways, uh, and they were almost all miracles. Uh, when um, Think of the lady that just touched his garment. There was no medicine involved there. It was a miraculous healing by the power of God. Uh, think of Peter and the other disciples uh, that healed by um, miraculous ways, by laying on of hands and, and other things uh, that they did. Uh, those were miraculous healings, uh, all part of the gift of healing that uh, God had blessed them with. God used miracles to heal, and God used the gift of healing in that sense in the Bible on many occasions. Uh, so that leads us to, are there miraculous healings today? Well, I think that's a little bit complicated, but I do not believe that God has blessed anyone with the ability to lay hands on or heal anyone in uh, anymore in that way in the day we live in, and it's just because that's just how God chooses to work uh, today. Uh, I also believe that God has blessed people with the gift to heal others in today. Uh, and they do that through medicine, just like they did in the past. Uh, I also believe that God has, uh, uh, and that I have seen God miraculously heal people today, but not through uh, man, not through laying on of hands, not through uh, anything of that nature. It's all just through God's power and the power of prayer. I've seen God miraculously heal people of cancer and other uh, serious health issues just through his own power. Uh, when Jesus uh, healed and brought back Lazarus to life, Jesus prays and he asks God to bring Lazarus to life. Uh, go ahead and turn to John chapter 11, and we'll start in verse 41. John chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, so he's praying to God here, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. So Jesus prayed to God because God has the power to heal. God did give Jesus also the power to heal, but Jesus wanted us to see that God has the power to heal. Uh, God has the power to bring back to life. God can still do miracles today. God didn't give up that power. God didn't lose that power. God still has the power uh, to heal and to do miracles. Uh, we do not see in the day we live in the gift uh, spiritual gift of healing uh, in in a miraculously uh, manner used through men. We only see it in the day we live in today through God's power and through the power of prayer. Uh, so in all things, we must give it to God. Uh, and that includes our health. Uh, we can pray about it. 
We can uh, and should pray for others also in this area. If, if, if there's health needs, we should pray about it. Uh, but ultimately, we need to give it to God and let God have it and let God do whatever he de- determines is best to do. We need not to worry about it. We need not to stress about it. We just need to give it to God. Uh, God gave us these gifts so that he could work through us. Uh, all the spiritual gifts are so that we could do the work of God. Uh, now, God may not be using us in the gifts of healing like he did in the past, like he did with the disciples. Uh, but God is still working through us in other ways. Uh, the goal of our gifts should always be focused on bringing the lost to Christ. No matter what gift God has blessed you with or, or how many gifts or whatever that God has blessed you with, it should all be focused on bringing the lost to Christ and, and to show them the work of God and that God loves them. Uh, and, and, and it is, is it concerning us, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, it should also help bring us closer to God as well. Uh, we should be focusing on helping and encouraging fellow Christians as well. Let's close in prayer.